It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another edition of Locked On Spartans. It is Saturday, January 26th, 2019. Yes, that's right, a special Saturday edition of Locked On Spartans. I am your host, Will Hunter. Uh, thank you so much for joining the show today. A reminder, we do this five times a week, every single day, generally Monday through Friday. Uh, sometimes you'll get a Saturday episode snuck in there. Uh, five times a week, half an hour uh, podcast each day, uh, talking about the world of Spartan athletics as a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're certainly going to talk about Purdue. Uh, Michigan State heads to West Lafayette to take on the Boilermakers in uh, their second toughest game left on the schedule. Uh, and, you know, as tough as Iowa was at times, this one's going to be even tougher. So we're going to talk about that for sure. Uh, I also want to spend the first segment talking a little bit about bracketology. It won't be too long of a conversation, but I just want to kind of update you guys uh, on where Michigan State is generally, uh, what the feeling is nationally around this team, uh, because I think it's important to have that like in the back of your mind, especially as we talk about uh, Purdue and what you know the, the game at Purdue has at stake, uh, both in the Big Ten and nationally. And I hope that will make more sense after we do that. So we'll start with the bracketology talk, and then we'll transition into Purdue talk for segments two and three. All right, uh, follow the show on Twitter, at OnSpartans. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores. Email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Find our Facebook page, like that, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, all that good stuff. It is all genuinely appreciated. All right, let's talk about some bracketology here. So... Uh, Michigan State uh, is in a really interesting place right now. They have kind of, you know, they've been sticking around the top, whatever, one through three seeds for for most of the season, and I think they fell to the, some three lines after the Louisville loss. But uh, it, it, I guess it, it kind of took some time for their AP ranking to, you know, settle in uh, in an appropriate spot, and it's still not in. in Frankly, AP rankings drive people's feelings towards uh, basketball teams, especially because they don't, you know, there's just so many games. You can, it's tough to watch all the football games, but you can watch a lot of the good teams play most of their football games, right? Like, it's just tough to see, uh, aside from Duke, because <laughs> Duke gets a, a lot of great slots. Um, you know, it's tough to see Virginia, all their games. It's tough to see all of Tennessee's games. Uh, it's tough to see, you know, Gonzaga's game. So it's just harder in basketball. So people rely on the AP poll more. And I think broadly that the AP poll is worse uh, and less accurate than the uh, the football polls. Because uh, aside from people not being able to see all the games and having to use the AP poll for their judgment, the voters don't get to see hardly any of the games. And they have... Rankings based off other rankings, uh, and then they simply move teams that lose down two or three slots, depending on how good or bad the team they lost to is. And then, if the record is better, they'll jump somebody or, or you know, whatever. That's generally how it goes. So, I, I think national perception of Michigan State 
uh, is starting to come around. Uh, they're starting to be looked at as the top two, top three team that they are in the country, at least in terms of what they've done so far and what they project to do moving forward. Uh, and they've kind of been, you know, they're stuck at six right now in the AP Bowl, which is uh, sort of, I think people see bracketology. They see Michigan State as a one seed and they see, you know, one lost Michigan behind them and say, how can that be? Or they see, uh, who are, or not Virginia, Virginia's a one seed, uh, Gonzaga behind them, uh, one or two lost Gonzaga who beat Duke, and they, they think, how can that be? Uh, because those teams are ranked higher than them in the AP poll. And not a lot, uh, I don't know, Michigan State just isn't sexy this year, I guess. Uh, well, I guess no one is compared to Duke, but that's beside the point. Anyway, this is all a long and rambling way to say that uh, it seems the bracket makers the the idea of Michigan State has finally caught up to uh what they are so far this season and what they project to be moving forward um I've got up right now the bracket matrix and I've talked a little bit about this before it is a website that tracks all of the bracketologists both professional and amateur and basically compares them all to each other and says who's the most accurate uh and and so it's a great way to kind of get a, a, a huge picture of, of what the feeling is on Michigan State. And so uh, they are the number four team overall in the bracket matrix, uh, combining everyone's bracket. So uh, 1.31 is their average seed, which, um, you know, is fine. But there's actually two sections to the bracket matrix. There's veterans uh, and then there's rookies. Uh, and... In the veterans section is where you'll get, you know, ESPN, like Joe Lenardi, Fox, CBS, uh, Andy Katz, you know, professionals, guys who have won the bracket matrix, uh, our friend Joe Cook, Sugart is in that side. The people who kind of know what they're doing, uh, to be kind. And on that side, there are only two bracketologists who have Michigan State as a two seed. The rest have them as a one seed. Um, you know, Tennessee who is above Michigan State in this ranking, has uh, seven uh, veteran bracketologists who say they are a two-seed. So Michigan State, uh, according to the actual bracketologists who have been doing this and have refined their technique and are, are good at this or get paid to do this, uh, Michigan State is actually the number three overall seed, uh, according to those people. And I'm just like over on the uh, the rookie side. And yeah, I've, almost every single one of them has Michigan State as a two uh, one of them has Kansas as a one, and there are a couple of them have Kansas as a one on the rookie side. So they're still learning, you know, they're figuring stuff out. <laughs> Man, I can't believe Nevada is seventh in the AP Bowl. That's insane. Uh, they're a four seed uh, in the tournament. Anyway, uh, I, I say all that just to kind of paint the picture a little bit of what the perception is turning into for Michigan State. I saw SB Nation's bracket had actually Michigan State number one overall in the entire tournament, uh, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I think Andy Katz had him at number two overall. Uh, it's funny enough, uh, the only one of the only two uh, veteran bracketologists to have Michigan State at number two uh, is CBS, which is Jerry Palm. Uh, he has them as the, the number five overall seed, I believe. Uh, no, regardless, a number two seed. Um, here, I'll pull it up real quick. 
the number six seed, uh, but he has Michigan as the number one overall seed. Uh, so he has Michigan State as the number six seed. The thing you can take solace in with that is that Jerry Palm is one of the least accurate bracketologists every single year, uh, year in and year out. <laughs> he is always near the bottom of the rankings, which is um, funny because he's one of the, he's, I think he's the lowest ranked professional, uh, the lowest ranked guy who, who actually gets paid to, to do that. So uh, maybe you take what he says with a grain of salt, and it's probably a good that he has them as a two seed because he uh, is wrong a lot. Anyway, that was rude to Jerry Palm, but uh, get your rankings right. Anyway, uh, so with that as a preface, we're going to take a, a break here. Uh, keep Michigan State's national identity in mind as we head to our first commercial break, and then when we get back, it'll make uh, some sense why I wanted to bring all that up and show you just kind of how lofty uh, their resume is, how good their resume is right now, how um, high the opinion of them is nationally. So we'll do that uh, after the break when we start talking about Purdue. Hey, is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Well, you could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite shows. And our demographic has more education and earns more money than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast? Email me at lockdownspartans at gmail.com. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked On Spartans. So I want to start talking about Purdue, and again, keep that that national picture of Michigan State in mind, uh, because the national picture of Purdue is murky. Uh, It's not... You know, there are some people who think Purdue is really good, uh, and there are some people who think Purdue is uh, crap because they're 13 and 6. Well, they're, they're the number eight overall team in Ken Palm, and Ken Palm is a predictive measure. It doesn't measure resume, uh, it doesn't tell you how good your season's been. They're obviously not the eighth best resume in the country or uh, ranked anywhere near number eight in the, poll, the, the polls. They're nowhere, you know, they're not in any of the polls. But as we've talked about a number of times, they're a really good basketball team, and they do a lot of things really well. Uh, they went on the after they lost to Michigan State. They went on the road and beat Wisconsin, which you know Michigan couldn't do. Uh, that's an incredibly good win. They went on the road and just demolished Ohio State. They demolished Indiana um, at home, uh, and they they beat Rutgers by thirty five points. So uh, they've been putting up some really impressive results and. They are the last team remaining that can uh, make this Big Ten race not a two-team race between Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, they sit at six and two on the season, thirteen and six overall. So we, uh, I shouldn't, I always do that. I say we. Michigan State is very much in the danger zone when it comes to this game, and uh, I don't want Purdue's lack of a national perception right now or a couple bad results earlier in the season some close losses that, you know, nobody cares that you barely lost on the road to Texas. They just, you lost 
to Texas. It's a loss. It doesn't count on the, the win side. It counts on the loss side. It makes your record look worse. I don't think uh, people are necessarily... So some people are going to look at this game. It's going to be one, just like Nebraska, where the analytics people uh, and the just Joe Schmoes have a vastly different opinion on what should happen here because you see it, the number six team in the polls going on the road to take a uh, what has been an underperforming uh, Purdue team that is six losses on the season that Michigan State absolutely demolished at home. Uh, and this should be a simple win for Michigan State in and out of there, win by double digits, and on we go. Uh, when the reality is this is a very precarious situation. And so I think uh, it's something where Michigan State could lose, and I think there are enough smart people out there. I think there are enough people paying proper attention that know how good Purdue is. Uh, again, you know, they don't necessarily use Ken Palm in their decision-making for the brackets, uh, but it's a factor. Like, it is uh, somehow part of some sort of equation that comes into some... It's such a complicated process. But anyone I know who, who does bracketology has referenced Ken Palm before, and so they're aware of what this means, what this game is. Uh, and if Michigan State loses this one, this isn't a, a devastating loss. This isn't something that knocks you down a seed line or anything like that. It's almost a, a scheduled loss, especially in the Big Ten. Uh, everyone keeps talking about how great the Big Ten is. And if Michigan State was you know, uh, kind of what we thought they would be going into the season, maybe they're 8-2 uh, and two or 7-2 or and two in the conference so far, which is still really great, and you're still competing for the conference title. Um, but I, I think if, if they were that team, then, uh, then we, like we'd almost be more aware of how good the Big Ten is around Michigan State. Um, but since they've been just handling teams oddly, teams that, you know, that they should beat, but like they, they were projected to beat Iowa by eight or nine or something like that. Uh, and they beat them by 15, and they've been outscoring their projections, and they've been, I think, uh, seven of their nine Big Ten wins are by double digits. The exceptions are on the road uh, with Ohio State, and yeah, no, they beat Maryland by double digits. I'm just going through real quick. Uh, looks like Ohio State, oh, oh, that's right, uh, road Nebraska win too, which was a double digit win, and they got a little tight late. Um <laughs> But, yeah, so they they're beat every single team in the conference by double digits. I don't think they've necessarily been threatened late in the game in the conference play, uh, unless you want to consider that Nebraska game. Uh, the Ohio State game was, for the most part, under control. Uh, MSU kind of pulled away late there, but, again, I don't think they were necessarily challenged uh, in the last 10 minutes of that game. It felt like they were going to win. Uh, so... The Big Ten's really good, and it almost feels like Michigan State hasn't noticed yet. Uh, and I know I said we we're going to talk about Purdue this segment. We will <laughs> in a more direct way. But it almost feels like Michigan State hasn't noticed just how good the Big Ten is. Uh, but everyone else has noticed. Uh, everyone knows that this is the best conference in the country and the deepest conference in the country. And that makes what Michigan State is doing all the more impressive also considering that they've been without Josh Langford, uh, they've missed Kyle Arns for two games, he's been less than 100% for two games, and now he's going to probably be out for another game here 
We'll see. He re-aggravated his back injury against Iowa uh, and, and doesn't look promising to play tomorrow, but we haven't heard anything yet. Uh, the national perception on Michigan State is just so solid right now that I and a loss to Purdue, which is a very realistic possibility, I don't think would hamper it too much. I don't think it would even drop them off the one seed line. I don't think it would drop them to uh, number four in Ken Palm. I think they're in the top three, and there's a a little bit of a divide between them. So the Michigan State and Duke are essentially identical in terms of efficiency metrics. Uh, and then Gonzaga is a little bit below them, and then a notch below Gonzaga is Tennessee, and then it sort of goes from there. Uh, so I think you know there's not much that could happen in this game that would upset the balance to the point where Michigan State is like, you know, dropping to the number two line or you know feeling bad about it. And I think that there are, might be some people out there who, if they lose this game to Purdue, will be. Uh, really upset that it happens and I just want to like get it out there like if they lose to Purdue it's totally okay it's almost like a scheduled loss I would think they would lose this game uh you know I would think they would lose the road game to Michigan maybe they'll lose the road game to Wisconsin but like th- these things happen they're not they can't go 20 and 0 in the conference play the teams they're playing are just too good uh and that includes Purdue who, like I said, is the number eight overall team in Ken Palm. All right, so I hope that sort of made sense. Uh, and if you're frantic about what you know tomorrow's game or today's game, whenever you listen to it, and what a loss could mean, uh, I don't think there's much in the national picture that this game really, you know, it's just another chance for Michigan State to do something impressive. And if they lose, I think the entire reaction will be, well, yeah, I mean, there's about time they lost one. Jeez, they've been just killing everyone. You know, I don't think it's going to be overly negative. Uh, but in terms of the conference race, this is where it gets interesting because Purdue's at six and two. Uh, Michigan, we know, has one loss, oh, and Michigan State is undefeated uh, in the conference play. It is a three-team race uh, unless something crazy happens. Uh, so. This is Michigan State's chance to essentially, I think, knock Purdue out of uh, contention. Now, it wouldn't eliminate them. Uh, Similar to the Iowa game, although Iowa already had three losses and that gave them a fourth loss, which I think really cemented them as not being able to win the Big Ten. Uh, But a third loss in conference play, starting 6-3 and in conference play with two losses coming to uh, one of the teams that you are competing with for those top three spots. It, it would just be devastating to uh, produce chances in the Big Ten. Uh, they get a break. They only had to play Michigan once this year. Uh, they already did it. They lost. They have uh, a very navigable schedule moving forward. Their road games are Penn State, Maryland, Indiana, Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern. So if they get this win here, you could see them going through the rest of their schedule with maybe one more loss. Uh, two more losses, and if they finish 17 and three, 16 and four in the conference, uh, with a win over Michigan State here tonight or tomorrow night, whenever you're listening to this, uh, that will go a long way towards them. They can absolutely compete for a conference title still if they beat Michigan State, but if they get swept and have no tiebreakers and are immediately, you know, three games back with half the schedule to play, 
that's going to be tough for them. So it's a huge game for Purdue. We know uh, about them uh, as a team. I'll go over some numbers here real quick, then we'll talk about some guys uh, and what they've been doing lately since we saw them last uh, just a few weeks ago. Number eight overall in the efficiency rankings, number six offense, number 59 defense, still playing at a slow pace. Uh, They're kind of middle of the pack on the average possession length offensively, which uh, they've been playing, you know, a little bit faster. They actually played Wisconsin in a 73 possession game. It did go to overtime, but that is fast for Wisconsin. So, you know, Purdue is pushing there. Uh, Rutgers is also slow. And so they got a little bit of pace out of Rutgers. So they've been playing faster lately. I'm sure on the offensive end, uh, they did uh, some nice things at times against Michigan State, and I think pace uh, could probably help them against most teams. Unfortunately, Michigan State lives in that <laughs> tempo, uh, so that maybe is not the best idea for Purdue in this game, but we'll see how it plays out. Uh, they are a decent shooting team, 48th in effective field goal percentage, 34th in turnover percentage, 22nd in offensive rebound percentage, so they're still doing a really good job on the glass there. Uh, if you remember last time we talked about this, a team that uh, shoots free throws pretty well but never gets to the line, so that's something where uh, you know Michigan's the expectation for Purdue is if they want to win this game, they're going to have to make shots. It's easier for secondary players uh, to make shots at home. So, uh, you know, Ryan Klein is the guy who kind of sticks out uh, immediately that shoots a good percentage uh, from three that could use a little, you know, home court boost. Aaron Wheeler doesn't play a ton. And actually, has he been playing lately? Yeah, he's been playing some minutes lately. Had a terrible game against Michigan State. He's a guy that could use the boost from three. Uh, Grady Eifert uh, is another guy, kind of a swingman there who plays solid minutes for them. Uh, could use a solid, you know, game for from three at home. Uh, Matt Harms, even the seven foot three guy, <laughs> he, uh, you know, a little home cooking at him from three would be nice. So they need to shoot well. If, if Purdue's going to win this game, uh, they're going to absolutely have to shoot well from three. Uh, some other stylistic things for them: they shoot forty percent as a team from three. Uh, not forty percent. Sorry, excuse me, thirty-seven point seven percent, which is fortieth in the country as a team from three. They've been shooting it better lately. Um, I just was it was scrolling through some of their previous game logs, and like Ryan Klein has absolutely been shooting the the lights up for the most part, and even shot well against Michigan State. Not great, but he shot four of ten, which is a really solid uh, three point percentage. The next game, four of seven, four of six, two of four, three of five. In the game before Michigan State, he shot two of four from three. So he's uh, quick math shooting over fifty percent from his uh, from three. Uh, in his last six conference games, uh, and he is the number four three-point shooter in the conference in in conference games. So he's a guy who we know about has been shooting really well. Uh, this is if if you remember uh, Purdue, you know, I, I I can't believe I didn't talk about him yet. But actually, you know what? I'm going to save the Carson Edwards stuff. We're going to talk about Carson Edwards next. We're still just talking about Purdue uh, <laughs> defensive rebounding. Uh, they're okay. Uh, not great if you would compare them to other Big Ten teams, but they, they're okay nationally, 80th in the country. Uh, that's a spot that it's not as bad as Iowa. You remember Iowa's 223rd in defensive rebound percentage, and Michigan State nearly grabbed as many offensive rebounds as defensive rebounds. But uh, that's not a, a great level for Purdue, although I think that could get better 
uh, because Travion Williams is playing more and more minutes. Uh, and, you know, he is a guy who, for the most part, has shown a really, you know, strong ability to grab rebounds, especially against Michigan State. He had seven offensive rebounds, and he actually followed that up with seven offensive rebounds against Wisconsin the very next game, and then had four against Rutgers, and grabbed three offensive rebounds against Ohio State in their last game. So uh, he's gone from a guy who was getting less than 10 minutes every single game, uh, and even not playing in some to getting 20 minutes against Michigan State, and that's absolutely jump-started him into a quality contributor for them. Uh, and you remember him just doing work down low. He finished with 13 and 12, seven offensive rebounds. He was uh, the only thing that kept that game, I don't know, within 30 <laughs> for the most part uh, the last time these two teams matched up. Uh, let's pause right there. Time-wise, I'm running a little long. i got to get to some other stuff, so I'm going to pause right there. And we'll come back for our third and final segment. Guys, I've been telling you, if you have a smart speaker at home, it can play this podcast. All you got to do, cue it up with its name, Alexa, Bixby, uh, whatever they're called, Siri. And you say, hey, play podcast Locked on Spartans. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, third and final segment of today's Locked On Spartans. Welcome back. Uh, we've gone enough, uh, excuse me, gone enough time without mentioning his name, so let's talk about Carson Edwards. Uh, he is the man that drives the Purdue engine. He is the ninth highest uh, possession percentage, ninth highest shot percentage in the country, uh, number one and two uh, in those marks in the conference. Uh, he's the most ball-dominant player that the Big Ten has. He is a volume shooter. He takes about 10 three-pointers a game. Uh, right now he's making them at a 38% clip uh, total and only 34% in conference play, uh, and actually 34% against the eight tier eight opponents he's played. So he's uh, shown a little bit of a inability to get things done against really good teams. Uh, granted, part of that is the game he had against Michigan State, which uh, not to say that isn't a repeatable thing, but him going two of 13 from three, uh, getting 11 points on 16 shots is just, you know, he's an inefficient guy at times. But that's just not his M.O. Uh, after that game, he followed it up with 36 points on 26 shots against Wisconsin. Got to the free throw line 14 times. He got to the free throw line 13 times against Ohio State. Uh, finished crazy. Uh, 20, or no, that, yeah, 27 points on 16 shots. Uh, 20 points on 18 shots. And 19 points on 12 shots. Those are his sort of efficiency marks. There. He had an offensive rating of 160 against uh, Rutgers. So... Has had some uh, solid, uh, you know, a solid stretch since Michigan State beat them. Nothing crazy. Had a really good game against Rutgers, but only played 29 minutes because it was such a blowout. So his turnovers are still up. Uh, that's going to happen when you handle the ball as much as him. The key with Carson Edwards is, uh, as it always is, to you know pick him up early, make him shoot from further away. Uh, you know, the further back he gets to the three point from the three point line, the better that's going to be. It's just how it plays out. 
And it looks like the key, a uh, big key here, is going to be limiting his ability to drive to the rim because uh, he's been getting to the free throw line a ton. You don't get to the free throw line a ton if you're just uh, a three point shooter. And we've seen, you know, I think we saw it, yeah, the first possession against Michigan State, he slashed to the rim, got there with ease, and, and laid it in, had a nice bucket, and then didn't have another drive the entire game. He was just hoisting from 28 feet the entire time. So that's the game plan. Get him to hoist from 30 feet as much as you can and keep him out of the lane. Uh, because uh, if he's getting into the lane, that means uh, guys like uh, Travion Williams and uh, what's his name? Oh, Matt Harms. I forgot it. The really tall guy, seven foot three, Matt Harms. It means guys like them are going to be getting uh, chances at offensive rebounds and uh, chances at easy buckets. Whether you know it's a dump off, wraparound pass, or, or something like that. Uh, Trayvon Williams doesn't qualify right now, but I can tell you that <laughs> he would have the highest offensive rebound percentage in the country. Uh, by far, if he qualified, if he played enough minutes, and he's been playing a lot more minutes. So uh, Carson Edwards getting to the rim, being able to establish you know, a guard forward tandem with Travion Williams is something that absolutely cannot happen, or Purdue's going to have a really efficient night offensively. And you got to uh, challenge three-point shooters. You know, Ryan Klein, like I said, has been shooting it really well. He cannot have free space. You know, whoever, I imagine they'll do the same thing that they did last time where uh, McQuaid will be on Edwards, uh, Henry will be on Klein, and then uh, Cassius will take Noel Eastern. And, you know, they'll rotate wings onto Carson Edwards uh, and just keep throwing different bodies at him. So I imagine that's what it'll be like. Those guys are going to have a big responsibility to not let not letting Carson Edwards get space and whoever's not on him can't, you know, lose focus because they're not on quote unquote the guy anymore. Uh, the other guy's going to be on Ryan Klein and Ryan Klein, if he gets any sort of space, is going to be knocking down threes. If he goes six for eight from three, it's going to be tough for Michigan State to win uh, with that sort of secondary performance from a guy like him. Uh, the same goes for even a guy like Grady Eifert who doesn't, you know, He's on the floor a decent amount, plays mid-20s minutes, but doesn't shoot it a ton. But like he went 3 of 4 against Ohio State uh, from 3, uh, and those were the only 4 shots he took. So something like that, uh, where he can make a few big buckets that are that are 3s, because he shoots a, a, not a ton of them, but shoots a, a few of them and can shoot them really well. Uh, that sort of stuff can't happen uh, against Purdue, so... You got to limit Edwards as much as you can. You got to make him take as many shots to get his 20 points as it takes. Uh, and you got to do a great job on Travion Williams, and everything else will sort of fall into place. You know, we've seen this team before. Uh, we know how they play. We know Edwards is going to get a ton of shots up. We know they're going to shoot a decent amount of threes. And we've seen, we saw, we were the first team to see what they uh, had in Travion Williams. And so we know he's going to play a big role down low, uh, whether it's, you know, getting possessions, getting touches for him, or him working on the offensive glass. That's going to be another big thing. Uh, whoever is on him, whether it's Ward, Tillman, Goins, I think you could see <clears throat> a decent amount of Tillman on him. Okay, so this is a guy who's six foot nine and 280 pounds. Uh, so Nick Ward is going to have to battle with him and is going to have to do a really good job uh, because that dude eats rebounds and gets buckets off of him. Uh, and that that can't happen at the rate it was happening in the last game. He can't get 
seven offensive rebounds himself uh, because Carson Edwards is going to be better this game than he was uh, the last game. He's going to hit shots. It's just it's going to happen. You have to expect it. I see this as something where Michigan State is going to have to outscore Purdue. I don't, you know, holding Purdue to 59 points doesn't seem uh, likely. You know, Purdue's only been held below a point per possession a few times this season. Uh, one of them was Michigan State. It was their worst offensive performance of the season. Uh, so I, I we're going to see a better Purdue team. We're going to see a super motivated Purdue team. I think we're going to see a motivated Carson Edwards. He's been seeing, hey, Cassius Winston, Big Ten Player of the Year for sure, uh, and he's going to want to have something to say about that. So uh, there's a lot at stake in this game uh, from a Big Ten perspective, from some individual perspectives. But again, if Michigan State loses, the sky isn't falling. It's not the end of the world. Uh, and if they win, I said this <clears throat> I said this earlier in the week. If they go 3-0, and I think they pretty much lock up the Big Ten regular season, at least a share of it. Uh, and I'm standing by that if they beat Purdue. Uh, if they start 10-0, uh, if you look at their schedule, if you look at who they play, where they play them, who their opponents play, what their projected Big Ten record is, um, there there's <laughs> it seems like there's no shot that they don't win at least a share of the, the conference title. They're projected to finish 18-2 and in the conference right now. Michigan is projected to finish 15-5, and and they're number two. So... Uh, this game is huge for that, uh, and I think it goes a long way towards determining what type of Big Ten race we have down the stretch. And what you need for Michigan State to get out of there with the win is the same defensive intensity that you had against Purdue the first time. They're going to make more shots. They're going to score more points. But if you keep up that defensive intensity, do a better job on the rebounds, uh, scoring shouldn't be an issue on Purdue. I like the way Michigan State matches up with them. Uh you just got to do a good, solid job on Edwards. Uh, keep Make the supporting guy's life harder. Don't let anyone else get hot. If Carson Edwards gets hot. He gets hot. But don't let anyone else get going. Uh, and do a good job on the glass on Trayvon Williams. Don't let him have the game he had against you last time because he's the one who sort of held things in place uh, while things were falling apart around him. So uh, Michigan State has the, the game plan to beat this team. They have the ability to beat this team. They've already done it without Langford. So... Uh, you know, they can do it again. And I'm really looking forward to it. CBS one o'clock games. Uh, I love when we start getting Sunday CBS noonish tips. Uh, they just make it feel like college basketball is finally hitting the, the big time. This is, these are the big games. Uh, so definitely looking forward to that. We will be back, uh, Monday to talk about what happens with Michigan State and Purdue, and if anything else interesting happens over the weekend, we'll talk about that as well. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores, email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Back Monday with another episode of Locked On Spartans, kicking off another week of Locked On Spartans. Until then, go green. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.